Join From Beer to the Bible every week as Irvin Lee and co-host Sarah Oliveira McDonald warn others of the consequences of drug and alcohol addiction by being the voice of faith-based recovery. Every week, Irvin and Sarah help people get access to the treatment and counseling they so desperately need. They explore the depths of addiction and give practical life examples of how to recover and develop a new rhythm of living. The show is gritty, authentic, and simply raw while being rooted in the love, faith, and hope of God. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. I'm your host, Irvin Lee, and I have newly found son of the show, Ryan G, with me today. Introduce yourself, Ryan. What's up? My name is Ryan. Um, I'm 16 years old. I go to Allen High School. Um, just super excited to be here. It's an honor. Um, just can't wait to dig in with y'all. Okay, let me set this up. So as Ryan said, he's only 16, but when I met him, I felt in his spirit and I saw the light of, of Christ Jesus working in and through him. I actually thought he was older. I actually thought he was about 19 or 20. And I've told him before, I said, man, you're way mature than most 16-year-olds that I know, and you were much more mature than I was when I was your age. So I invited him on the show. He did the smart thing. He prayed about it. The Lord spoke to his heart and said, hey, move forward with being on the show. So I want to reassure his parents, Tabby, the boss, <laughs> and Pastor Scott Graham, that we're going to take good care of him today. And thank you guys for allowing him to be on the show. You now have the honor of being the youngest person that we've ever had on the show at 16. So you and I spoke this morning. You say you had a scripture. So let's start with the scripture. Awesome. So the scripture that I have just stuck to for a while now has been Ezekiel 2-3. Okay. I was in the book of Psalms just trying to read through all of it. It was the first book I've ever read. And I just felt led to go to Ezekiel out of nowhere. And so... Whenever I went to Ezekiel, <clears throat> it talks about the vision he had. And whenever God says, whenever God's calling him to be a prophet in this dream that he's having, he goes in Ezekiel 2.3, he says, Son of man, I'm sending you to the nation of Israel, a land that has rebelled against me for years. And that just means so much to me because it's, I used to be in the land of rebellion. You see what I'm saying? And so, and so to convert to the land to going to the land of rebellion in my generation it's just such a it's such a prolonging motivation to stick to whenever i want to carry the embodiment of christ and so that verse just means a lot to me man even when you said it to me i said man you you're young to to love that scripture right i had to search go okay what does that scripture say and then for you to say what it means to you in your heart Let's start with your testimony, and I think that'll kind of open up why that's your favorite scripture. Awesome. So my testimony started all whenever I was really young. Um, not much God in my family at all. My grandma was the source trying to take us to church here and there. Um, mom and dad were always arguing. It was just me, my brother, my mom, my dad. And there, almost every other week, my dad would just leave the house from an argument after punching holes in the walls and you would just leave and there got to a point where I just wanted to be the good guy so I would just try to stop the fight and so I would start yelling at my parents and then that would lead to verbal abuse from both of them which 
caused not at the time that I knew, but that caused an impact in my life and how I saw myself. And so <clears throat> fast forward to probably eight years old, we moved to Keller, Texas, and we ended up getting evicted for whatever reason. And I didn't know what that meant, but I remember getting home and all of our belongings were getting carried out in trash bags. And um, I asked my mom, I said, what is this? And she said, get ready to go. <clears throat> I didn't know that was the beginning of the end, but it was. <clears throat> Sorry. That's okay. And so um, on the car ride back, my mom had told me, I, I go, mom, what's happening? Why are we, why are we going back to Oklahoma? It was just me and my mom and then my brother was with my dad. And I was like, mom, what's happening? And she goes, me and your dad are divorcing. And it broke me. Cause at like eight years old, it just, it, it shattered my heart because I didn't understand what life would be like without my parents. Yeah. And there's no God in the family. So there was no hope in him. So there was only hope in my family. And now my family is about to be separated. So then it was a lot of trying to decide at such a young age, do I want to live with my dad? Do I want to live with my mom? And I finally chose my dad. My dad had found this woman named Tabitha, which is boss lady. Yeah, boss lady. And um, and um, whenever I moved in with them, things were going well. We lived in Euless. It was me, my stepsister, my brother, I, my dad, and Tabby. And they were going great. We we lived in Euless in an apartment, and then we moved to a house in Crowley. Things were going great. And we were attending Gateway Southlake. But for some reason, every time we would come back home, there was just always some dark aura in the house, if that makes sense. Yeah. And my dad was, he was going to church, and he was he was receiving, but whenever he got home, he wasn't pouring. And what I mean by that is he wasn't living by his by his faith and you know god blessed him god blessed him when he started tithing and whenever he started being obedient to his voice but when we would get home he wasn't nearly as obedient to his voice and shortly that caught up to him and he he's been an addict his whole life like even before me and leading into that not being fully obedient his flesh caught up to him and so now when did you notice that and then how did that make you feel so i really started to notice it whenever um whenever okay weird scenario but i had gotten home from school one day and he was watching this documentary on like aliens and i'm like dad why are you watching something on aliens and he was like in case it ever happens and just that that faith point alone like just seeing that i mean that that was just like a a monument of hopelessness whenever he said that it's the weirdest thing ever but that's whenever i really started to notice it and like for some reason i just always felt anxiety creep up and i didn't know it at the time but that was from the past hurts of the verbal abuse and and so on and so my dad ended up relapsing when his flesh caught up to him um, we got evicted from this house. I didn't know why. We were living in a car, um, hotel to hotel. There were nights we didn't eat. There were nights we didn't drink. Now, how were you handling that? And was, were you, where was God in all of that for you? I didn't believe in him at that point. So you, you had, you were going to church, 
you believe in them, adversity hits, and then you stop believing in them. Right. So okay. Yeah. the the hope The hope that I had was was gone because it, it's always been when I was little. It was always he's the loving one. <clears throat> and then when adversity hits, whenever my world flips, yeah, it's like, where's the love there? Mm-hmm. He's not saving me here. Where is he? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so, um, hotel to hotel, and then shortly after, I finally get back to my mom's house eventually, and things just kind of clear up. Like, dad's nowhere to be found. I find out he ended up in prison. I have no idea where Tabby's at. And when he was in prison, he wrote me notes. And whenever he sent me the first couple notes, he was just like, hey, Ryan, I'm sorry. I love you. I found God. I want you to know that he loves you. And I'm sorry. Love did that. You, did you receive that? Okay. Did you write back? Uh, I did. Okay. Um, I wrote back just saying, I miss you. I love you. But it made me upset. It made me really angry at the world. Whenever he was only able to tell me sorry on a piece of paper, I almost felt squashed. Because mm-hmm. it was just, I just got so upset at the world. And so my father figure at that point, the man who was with my mom and my mom, they were both taking care of me. We we weren't in the best conditions. Yeah. We, But I had a roof over my head and I had food to eat. And as soon as he wrote me that letter saying sorry on a piece of paper, it wrecked me. I treated my father figure like trash. I treated my mom like trash. I went to school telling people God was fake and I hated him. I just, I was broken. I was completely broken. And whenever my dad got back out, um, my mom had come into my room. She had told me that I would never see him again. But then she came into my room, not even like a month later. At like one in the morning, goes, Ryan, you're going to move in with your dad. She says, you're not happy here. So I kind of looked at her like, because like. So there was no debate. She just basically commanded you. Now, how are you, how are you handling with your friends and the people you know that, hi, my dad's in prison. uh, And now all of a sudden he's out and I'm about to go live with him. How are you feeling through all this? This is a lot of adversity. Yeah, so my life just kind of flipped tables again. And, you know, coming up at my mom's house with those friends, there was no father. Like, I didn't have a dad in my life. And that was like ages 9 through like 12. And so I feel like that's some of the most developing moments as a young boy. And so when you don't have a man to go to, you have your buddies. Yeah. And your buddies think it's the cool thing to get all the girls and to start smoking and, and to start watching pornography. And, and it's just it's just the cool thing. Yeah. I, I was introduced to pornography by one of my friends at like 10 years old. Okay. And so did was I the cool guy in school? Yeah. I When I went to school, I, saw, I sought that validation. But when I got home, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy at all. I was empty. I didn't have any love in my life that I felt. Of course, my mom and the, the man who was taking care of me, they, they had a, a certain type of love for me to take care of me, but I never felt full. Mm-hmm. And so whenever my mom goes, you're going to go live with your dad, 
kind of looked at her and I, I gave her that look. I was like, why? Why are you going to make me go live with her? You think I want to be happier with him? But she said, you're going to go. Had you ever, well, it had been a while since you'd lived with him, right? Yeah. Okay. It, he was locked up for, I'd say, 13 months. Okay. And I went to go live with him probably four months after you got out. Okay. Now, tell how did that go, and and how did the relationship start to mend and lead you all back to the Lord? So whenever I moved in with him, he gave me two options. So, you know Alcoholics Anonymous? Yes. You know Al-Anon? Yes, I do. So Al-Anon is... It's the youth for for kids whose parents are struggling with addiction or if the kids are struggling with addiction. It's just a small group. And so my dad gave me two options. He said, I can go to the youth ministry at my church. Yeah. He said, or I can go to Al-Anon. He said, I don't get to do none living under his roof. Yeah. I said, okay. Now it's the Al-Anon and not like it. These people hated the world just as much as I did. Yeah. I just, I just didn't feel at home. Okay. And I ended up going to the youth ministry and this kid named Max comes up to me and he's like, hey, my name's Max. God loves you. I love you. So let's go sit together. And so I was like, why are you being nice to me? <laughs> like, I did like not... what's the catch here? Right. Yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> I faked it. I faked church. I faked worshiping because I wanted to fit in with everybody. Yeah. I wanted that validation that I sought beforehand. But then this thing called Gateway Student Conference came up and it's this big conference for students. And there was a moment where I made it to the front with all my buddies and Carrie Joe was seeing Cover the Earth for the first time. And I faked my worship, raised my hands, but that's her reading the lyrics. And I was like, oh, wait, this is actually me and something. And it said, chains have no choice but to break. Shame has no choice but to leave in your presence. And as soon as she said that, I had this like, like my entire consciousness went into this like episode of like a flip book flipping over every bit of trauma I'd ever been through, over every bit of pain or suffering that I've ever been through. And it and I just started bawling. And it's just all these images of when I was upset or sad or, or angry. And it was just flipping through like a flip book so fast. And I just started bawling. And I wasn't bawling because I was mad. Yeah. I wasn't bawling because I was sad. Yeah. I wasn't bawling because I was anxious. I was bawling because it was the first time I was ever at peace about my entire life traumas. And from that point on, I knew it was God. Yeah. And so the next day, I went up to my dad, got in this truck, I said, Dad, I know you're trying. I said, I forgive you. And then I go to Tavi and I say, hey, I know you're trying and I forgive you. And so that was the mending part of our relationships where forgiveness had finally hit from the past yeah and from then on it's just been just building say that to our audience because all of us are what i say we're doing things for the lord i've learned to just do the things still learning that are from the lord and you did something that i believe for you and your family was from the lord Hey, I know you're trying. I forgive you. Say that to our audience again, because I believe that's one of the reasons God brought you here today is to be able to communicate that to all the folks out there who are trying and suffering from these traumas, these addictions. But they have to know that 
God forgives them. Yeah. Well, one thing I can address regarding that is, I don't know if y'all have heard the, the story about Jesus and the woman in his robe, but Jesus was just walking in a big crowd and a woman just grabbed his robe. And it wasn't because Jesus wasn't reaching towards her, but she, okay, let me, let me rephrase this. This woman was bleeding for 30 years and Jesus was just walking. And this woman's faith, she had just a mustard seed of faith. And she grabbed his robe, hoping that it would heal her body for 30 years of bleeding. But that as soon as she touched his robe, she was healed. And it wasn't because, it wasn't because she was faking it, but it was because that tiny bit of faith in that one moment where she finally just reached over, she got the experience of being healed. And that's possible in, in our hearts, that's possible in our minds, in our spirits, in our, in our past. And that's, that one grab of Jesus' robe can be enough to change your heart and your heart posture and put you in the place to forgive those who have hurt you. Mm. That God has had me meditating and sitting in the story of the woman with the issue of blood because we all read it and we think about the miracle of that. But what the Lord gave me revelation was that story is about willingness. It's the willingness. Yeah. It's that when we're so broken that we're 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 just we're we're tired of dealing with the addiction, with the trauma, with the things of life. Yeah. Are we willing like she was? Right. Because she was back then, because of Levitical law, she was unclean. Right. So she lived a life in pain and isolation. It says mm -hmm. she spent all her money. I could so relate to it looking for the cure. I look for the cure of my alcoholism everywhere, right? right? And then finally, I went to Jesus. I was willing to risk it all like right. she was. She was, right. And he said immediately she was healed. So sometimes we look all around the world and people and places and things when the answer is always Christ Jesus and having the willingness to allow him to heal our hurts, our pains, yeah. and our addiction. And I love the story of you and your parents. Now, full disclosure, I know both your parents, and I love them uh, very much. Uh, talk about where your relationships are with them both now and how you all as a family keep Jesus at the center of, of your relationship. Yeah, well... Jesus introduced us back together is probably the best way I can put it. There was love in the beginning, and then that love was shattered by the enemy. Mm -hmm. And that was because there was vulnerability in our family form. And so the only thing that was able to pull us back together was the healing, resurrecting power of Jesus Christ by his blood. Ephesians 1, 7 says we have redemption through his blood. And our family is a walking monument of that because it's, it's the love that we feel from him that gives us the ability to forgive and love each other. 
And right now, I would say that our family is the healthiest. That like I, I can't even put into words like how, how to express the the healthiness of our relationship is. Like all of us together in one, and it's because we are all under the embodiment of Jesus Christ. And I never would have seen me and my dad's relationship the way it is, or me and Tavi's, because that pain, that that hate for the world I had, but because of the love of Jesus, our relationships are healed and redeemed. And I just cannot, I, I literally cannot put it into words just how, how rejoiced I am to see my relationship with my family. Yeah. So. I, I want to say this. I mean, you're an inspiration and an encouragement to me because to be 16 years old and to live for Christ, I mean, apply the scriptures, apply the love, the forgiveness, all the things that are in Christ to your family, but to your friends. And I watch you, all the work you do at the church. How hard is it to live for Christ at 16, given the culture that you live in? So at first, I would say super easy because, you know, you, you get that that first fire. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's just you want to freaking start a, a wildfire. Yeah. Not really, but yeah. you know what I'm saying. I do. And But whenever it starts becoming a part of your normal day life, it's hard, especially even going to a public school and, and like having a life just outside the church as well. I would say it's really difficult, but through him, I can't. Um, in Philippians 1, um, Paul writes that to live is to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Yeah. And that's something that I studied recently, and it's just so corresponding. He, he writes that, that to live is to be called to his fruitful labor. Yeah. And so that's what I love, that that validation that I that I used to seek in people, mm-hmm. I seek now by the fruit of labor, the fruitful labor for God. And what drives me the most is the validation, the desire of validation from Him. And so it's difficult if I'm running from God. Okay. But if I'm praying and I'm meditating and I'm discerning and I'm I'm pursuing and persevering God then it's a breeze because what can go against me if I have God on my side? How do you deal with the peer pressure uh, to use drugs, to use alcohol, and to engage in watching things that aren't necessarily healthy for your soul? Yeah. Um, The peer pressure, I look at that as a source of vulnerability for the enemy. Yeah. Um, And... I feel like I look I look at things like that as trials. Yeah. And you know, one thing that I've a, a good revelation that I've gotten recently is that God doesn't give us trials. He, people say he won't give you anything you can't handle, but like that's so not true. Right. It's like he gives you trials to understand that you need him. Yeah. And so I try to maintain my focus on the perseverance of him instead of the perseverance of the people around me. Um, so yeah, firsthand, you have experienced 
the enemy's destruction of your family, of your faith. But you have done what I call, what Christ calls us to do, which is endure. People often ask me, well, how do you endure? I said, you endure. Right. You endure by enduring, but you have shown us that today. And as we wrap up, talk to the, our young people who are suffering from addiction, yeah. our young people whose family is in disarray, and yeah. give them the hope that got you through and allowed you to endure. Yeah. So there's light at the end of the tunnel. A million and 10% all the time, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And you can't let your circumstances determine who you are and what you are. Um, I got prophesied when I was on a mission trip in El Salvador. Somebody told me that behavior flows from identity. And if you identify yourself as an addict or somebody who's who lives by what their parents told them years ago, or if you live by the brokenness of your family, then you're going to live by the f brokenness of your family. But I just want each and every one of you to know that you are a called son and daughter of God. And your identity is placed higher than the circumstances and higher than the temptations and higher than the addictions because that is the world. And, and the high priestly prayer that Jesus prays to God before he gets crucified, he says, I'm sending them into this world. I'm sending them into the world just as God has sent me. And so you are sent into the world as a son and daughter of God. And that's the identity that you have to live in to not fall under the circumstances of somebody who's living under the world. Hmm, that's good. That's good. And I'm going to speak directly to our young people and our teenagers. Look, I've been young and now I'm older, not old. Don't call me old. <laughs> but I want you to know that despite our family, our trials, our tribulations, that God loves you. God is not mm -hmm. mad at you. Yeah. God loves you and will heal you and will receive you. Yeah. All you have to do is call out to him. Say, God, if you're real, show me. That's a prayer I know that he answers. Don't be afraid to be transparent to God. And then don't be afraid to ask other people like Ryan and myself about the love of God. Yeah. I think you have seen from us two broken men who Christ called to himself through the Holy Spirit, and he has transformed and healed not only us, but our families. And he will and can do the same for you if you will seek God by the power of the Holy Spirit. You will find healing, restoration, renewal, and resurrection in mm. and through Christ Jesus. We love you and may God richly bless you and your family. Thank you for tuning in to this week's From Beer to the Bible. Make sure to tune in next week when Irvin and Sarah gift you with even more addiction recovery information. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, we're always there for you.